it than found Night by night and tear by tear Somehow, someway we all get to someday Mile by mile and fear by fear In their ever-present pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later, the Home Starmy proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Our disaster <laughs> Good evening and welcome to Podcast 191. I am Peter. And I am Joey. And, oh my gosh, it has been... <laughs> Quite the month. It, has it only been a month? It feels I, like I, so much longer. I think on a calendar it's been, a, uh, I guess it's been like six weeks. Yeah. that It's been pretty crazy for us both. The we were gonna try and record last week, that didn't happen. Nope, that was my fault. I don't know. I don't feel like that one was necessarily your fault. Yes, you hadn't watched the episode yet, um, but I had. I had been staying up pretty late uh, for That's a few true. days in a row, and I was kind of tired. And you were, you were complaining gonna, of a headache. You were gonna have to watch the episode and then we would record and i was like no i just wanted to record and go to bed like i had this whole thing planned out in my head i don't know if you remember this i came over to your desk and i said well i had this thing like we would already be at ming's by now that is not what you said you said you are screwing up my plan i didn't say that you did i i feel like i that's the way i really felt inside (laughs) that's what you said i didn't say that um and it just wasn't going to happen, so we, we had to cancel. Um, the World Cup has been, I can't say getting in the way, because I've enjoyed every moment of it, uh, but there is it's certainly drawn some focus away. sucked up so much of my time as I've been, I've watched every single one, except for one, the, the uh, Argentina-Swiss uh, game, I didn't record. Oh. That was the one last night, or well, that was the uh, their most recent. Yes, that was the the last of the round of sixteen. Anyway, that that played in the morning. uh, The U.S. game played in the afternoon, so I I just forgot to reset the recorder, so I didn't see that one. So once again, I can't say that I've watched every single game. Oh well, Um, it's been fantastic, and I've loved every minute of it. I am so jealous that. um, you know, it's it, not jealous. I'm I'm mad that it's going to be another four years and this one isn't even over yet. I'm still mad that, you know, we can't have this level of soccer all the time. Well, at least uh, we didn't go out and hike the ball over the quarterback's head in the first play of the game. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so the the U.S. Uh, uh, soccer team is, is better than Peyton Manning. At least they didn't shoot themselves in the foot. <laughs> I, I don't feel like you can blame that one on Peyton Manning. <laughs> hey, he he didn't he didn't call in the play correctly. Um. Anyway, so we're back. Um. And it's the day before Fourth uh, of July. Yeah. So it's Fourth July Eve. <laughs> is that a holiday now? I, sure. I feel like we should all be celebrating that. Um, 
I'm not super patriotic. <laughs> I'm really not. I mean, go America. Good for us. We're great. But I'm not super... You, you like America as a concept, but actually celebrating <laughs> it is further than you're willing Ugh, to go. Yeah, I don't want to have to do that. And fireworks, I'm so over fireworks. I was never a fireworks person. They were fun as a kid, but that's uh, it's ceased to be interesting. I'll take that back. There's been one time in my life when I was impressed by a fireworks show, and it was at Disneyland. Okay. Uh, so anyway, we're back, and thanks for hanging in, everybody. We've got the emails that uh, everyone has sent in. Um, did you want to cover anything? I do want to read one specific email before we jump into too much. Do you, do you I, want to cover I've some got a, things? I've got a funny story I thought I'd share. Okay. Uh, a few... Well, how long has it been? I don't know. Sometime in the past. I feel like it was last week. <laughs> I was going to say a few weeks ago, but that may be overstating how long ago yeah. it was. Uh, I woke up in the morning... I have hard contacts, and I'm I'm quite blind without them. Cannot see effectively whatsoever. They're the they're the Coke bottle glasses of contacts. contacts. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I sleep in them. It's a bad habit. I've had it my whole life. I'm probably not going to change anytime soon. I sleep in my contacts. And I woke up in the morning after a particularly long stretch of day set of days, and there was no contact in my left eye. And I started to panic. I, okay. I know I got up in the middle of the night and went to the bathroom. And so I am carefully going over every inch of carpet between my bed, my side of the bed, after searching the bed. I'm going over every inch of the carpet between the bed and the bathroom, trying not to wake my wife up because it's only like 7 o'clock in the morning. Kids aren't going to be up for another couple hours because it's summer. They're sleeping in. Try not to make her wake up before she has to in the morning. So I'm going over the carpet Apparently I was I was too noisy or I was too, you know, my, my emotions were bothering her. Something woke her up and she's looking at me and she's just blinking her eyes like the room is really bright. Kind of like, you know, sometimes when you wake up in the morning, the room feels a little bright. I didn't think too much about it. And she says, what's going on? I said, well, I, I lost my contact out of my left eye. And while I'm talking to her and explaining to her that I that my contact is missing, she looks down, blinking her eyes real hard, and my contact falls out of her left eye. <laughs> have no idea how it got in there. No, neither one of us has the slightest clue. I, when I told that story at work, one of the guys at work came up to me and said, I think you guys might be kissing wrong. <laughs> Here's what I want to believe happened. Sometime in the middle of the night, you, in some sort of delirious state, uh, get conscious enough to take out your contact thinking, oh, you know, I really should take these out of my eye because this is bad. And I'll just put them away in the tray here. And your <laughs> wife's eye was the tray. And so you you, you <laughs> peeled her eyelids open, put put that on there, and then suddenly you realize, oh, I don't really need to do that. Who cares about putting taking my eye? And you just go back to sleep. My That's what I want to believe My theory happened. was that I blinked in my sleep and the contact Flew out of my eye and landed in hers. <laughs> I want to believe that one. <laughs> I think it's a much great. better story. If it could make like a pinging noise, like ping. <laughs> 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 well, I'm pleased that you didn't lose a contact. Yeah, um, those things are like $120. <laughs> right, right. Okay, uh, any other stories you want to share? Not at the moment. Okay. Um, so email that uh, I want to read is from our good friend JD who sent this in 
At the end of May. Wow. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's been a little while, hasn't it? It has. May 30th is when he sent this in. Um, and apparently he didn't get it in in time, or maybe I just did never see it. We'll never know. Um, but I'm getting to it now. And uh, he starts, need a home along the Wasatch Front? Not if it means being in the Wasatch School District. He then shares a link to an article about um, a high school that um, altered the pictures of some of their high school students because they were deemed to be too risque or too inappropriate. Um, The uh, anyway, so uh, yeah, here's a link. Uh, he says, the non-apology in it cracks me up. Uh, he has a lot of balls to be that bold. Oh, Utah. Uh, Peter and future Congressman Joey should discuss. I have an issue with a high school's administration taking it on themselves to change yearbook photos of students at all, no matter what the reason is. Also, beyond this case, where does the buck stop for crap like this? Well, in the state of Utah, the buck stops with the state school board, which is a nonpartisan mm-hmm. elected body. And uh, we are currently trying to get the, the Utah Republican counties, the Republican parties of the different counties in the state of Utah are working very hard to get legislature through to change that to be a partisan body that will be elected by the delegates because delegates have to vet. And if you go ask most people in the state, who is your state school board representative? have no clue who it is. Yeah, I would categorically disagree with doing something like that. I think it should be a non-partisan uh, body. Uh, I, just I, like I judges. Think, I think it has I proven should, to be I, a failure. I don't think it should be any any part of uh, of that body. The uh, um, the pictures, I actually saw this when uh, when it was posted back in I heard May. about it. Um, I saw the pictures. I, I don't know what in the world they had a problem with because there was... Is it was, like a marijuana leaf on a shirt or something? No, no. Okay. They like added a neckline to one particular girl. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Didn't need to. She wasn't showing cleavage. <laughs> now, I'll grant you that might raise a few eyebrows if somebody is, but I saw the picture. There wasn't any. Anyway. And Pete would know. Yeah, I have studied them. <laughs> An extensive lifelong study. <laughs> <laughs> he continues. So, I finally saw... Star Trek Into Darkness the other day thanks to Netflix. And now I can go listen to the Trek West 5 and JR watches Star Trek for the first time episodes where the movie was talked about. Holy crap, the movie was excellent. I love the 2009 movie too. This was an excellent follow-up to it. I read that one of its co-writers, Orsi, will be directing the third Trek movie in the new continuity. I cannot wait to see what they're planning to do for it. The whole cast of the actors captures the original series crew as well. They're uh, electric to watch, and um, that Enterprise is gorgeous. I do hope they avoid another cameo by Nimoy, though. That is my only issue with Into Darkness. He was necessary for the 2009 bridge, the timelines in the story, uh, how it happened. And it was gratifying to see him there. But it was just gratuitous to have him in this one. That actually took me out of the movie for the minute he was on screen. Aside of him, though, I loved the movie. 
Everything in the JJ verse is new and different, yet familiar and reassuring. Never got a chance to go see it at the theater, but now I'm mad. I never tried to see it on video last year. I'm a bad Trek fan, I guess, but it was worth the wait. Con. Um, we shared our thoughts, I remember, but it was sort of like we didn't get too specific. I remember we both enjoyed it. It was okay. It was a decent uh, action movie. It was not a sci-fi movie, in my opinion. Um, and I did not really care for the way they did some things. Okay. I didn't remember that specifically. I thought you had a general good report, and that sounded like a bad report. So It was okay. Okay. That's all I'm going to say. He continues, top five TV shows, non-sci-fi, that <laughs> Trek West 5 should do after Sherlock Season 3. Number five, Sports Night. It's not like I'm requesting the newsroom here. <laughs> Number four, Sports Night. Seriously, you did West Wing and Studio 60, so this one must happen for completion's sake, and because it's incredible TV. Number three, Sports Night. <laughs> this again? Yep. I'm not going to let this die until you guys capitulate and finally just record something on it, if for no other reason than to just shut me up. <laughs> Number two, Mr. Sunshine. There were only like 10 episodes or something of it, but it was amusing. Plus, you can make a game out of counting how many West Wing alums show up on the screen and in the credits. Number one, House of Cards. I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my Netflix recommendations due to West Wing. So if Trek West 5 covers it, I can watch along. Um, I like that he's suggesting something he's never watched before. <laughs> I saw season one of uh, House of Cards. Yeah? Yeah. And? Um, it was well done. It was very well done. It's really dark. Not Not a very happy or <laughs> optimistic view of humanity. Okay. All right. So it's not, not roses and daisies for, for any reason. Um, a couple of things I want to mention. We have some new Twitter followers. Oh, really? Someone named Tim E. Um, or Time Saw. Or Time Esaw. Tim, Tim Esaw. Okay. Anyway, some guys following us on Twitter by that handle. Uh, and someone by the name of Josh Cole is also following us. He actually tweeted us something uh, the other day, and I don't remember what he tweeted us. But I remember he tweeted us, and it was nice of him to have done that. So, hey, thanks, Josh. Yeah. Um, and actually, now I'm... Was it Josh that did that? I feel bad. I didn't ever tweet him back, and I'm not really sure that it was actually Josh. Oh, okay. Somebody tweeted us. Saying, Maybe hey, it was LeVar I'm, Burton trying to get I'm, us to... No, it wasn't LeVar. Okay. It was not LeVar. Kickstarter's closed, by the way. <laughs> like six million. Oh, really? They, yeah. They broke the five. Cool. Oh, yeah. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there was like, if you if they got five million, then um, uh, what's his bucket that does family guy? Seth MacFarlane? Was going to kick in another million. So he did. Nice. It's six million. Um, yeah, so anyway, thank you to those guys. Uh, I assume they're actually listening 
and whatnot. So uh, welcome. We'd love to hear from you in some other form that I actually bother to check on a regular <laughs> basis. Or not. You can just listen quietly. That's totally okay. Um, Facebook find of the week? Okay. Okay. So this is going to go to listener Fishhead. Um, surprise, surprise. Um, because um, Fantasy Con is happening. Okay. It's, uh, you mentioned it's, that earlier today. It's today, tomorrow, and Saturday. Uh, yeah, matter of fact, Joey promised to go to that it not so that he could meet whatsoever. Claudia Christian. You asked me, apropos of nothing, hey, do you want to go meet Claudia Christian? And I said, sure. <laughs> because, why? Because you just assumed that she was here to come and see you. I, I figured you had some kind of connection yeah. to a person, to a person, to a person who knew Claudia Christian, and you were going to get us a face-to-face. I do. It's, it's the people via, who run fantasy con. Fantasy con. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, there is this uh, uh, fantasy con put out a f- like four different uh, one or two minute little videos, and it's a complete flip of the role playing game Dungeons and Dragons. Okay, where normal human beings play Dungeons and Dragons type characters. Well, in this setting. Dungeons and Dragons characters play normal, play normal human beings, <laughs> and uh, it's a game they call Cubicles and Careers. <laughs> uh, there's four of these things. I watched them all. Uh, maybe ooh, maybe there's five. Yeah, it looks like there's five. Um, I watched them all, and they are absolutely hilarious. Right on. To the extent that I'm actually going to FantasyCon because of these. Wow. I was like, no, stupid FantasyCon. They're just trying to rip off on the Salt Lake Comic Con thing. Um, I'm not interested in going to this at all. Saw these. Totally changed my mind. <laughs> and I am going to FantasyCon. I'm going to have to check those out. Tomorrow. Funny. They're hilarious. I have not been on Facebook in probably at least three weeks. Yeah, anyway, so Dean, thank you very much for posting those up. I got a huge kick out of them, uh, and I hope other people watch them as well because they were just absolutely hilarious. If you haven't, go back to the TrekQuest 5 uh, Facebook page and watch them because they are just fantastic. Even if you quit Facebook, I think you can still see our page. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's public enough. (laughs) Um, Let's see here. Do we have a... Uh, Adventures in Republican? Yeah, we could do an Adventures in Republican. You want to do one? Sure. Okay, go ahead. It's been an interesting month in the Republican (laughs) Party, Utah County Republican Party. We had at convention, so here we do the caucus convention system where you have a caucus where neighborhoods go, they choose delegates, the delegates get together in a big meeting, about two, 3,000 people in our county, and they pick who will be who will represent the Republican on the ticket for November. If there's not a clear winner in those elections, then there will be a primary election in late June. One of the things that was up this year in Utah County was county commissioner. And there were several people that ran and a lot of people just expected the incumbent to win. You know, it's politics. The incumbents got the strong edge. Statistically, they usually win. Yes. Out of nowhere comes this guy named Greg Graves and wins over 67% of the electorate at convention. He's got the nomination. Turns out the 
Democratic Party in the, in the Utah County decided they weren't even going to run someone for this office this year. So the guy's basically won, right? Uh huh. Three days after he wins that convention, and it's, and we all realize, oh, this guy's basically elected. There's really not much else that could happen here. It comes out in the news that this guy has had some trouble with bankruptcies (laughs) in his past. He's been divorced. (laughs) And at one point he was found guilty of a misdemeanor, uh, Theft by deception from his employer. I, I'm giggling. I'm sure it just came over the microphone. That's a terrible thing for me to be laughing at this <laughs> poor man's struggles. Well, and, and you know, people were very upset. A lot of people got very angry. Oh, is the Republicans really? This is the guy who we're going to put forward? Some people had talked to him, had known these things, and had talked to him about them while, while they were vetting him as, as delegates. They felt that their questions were answered. The people who didn't know about these things are very angry. Why didn't we know about these things? Why didn't the the county party stop this guy from running? Well, we don't have power to stop someone from running. You can go in and say you're running as long as you live in the county. We right. can't do anything yeah. about that. They're, but they're all angry at us. And so the there there's a, a contingent of the leadership in Utah County who decide we want this guy out. And so we're going to try and run a write-in candidate against him. This is a violation of our bylaws. You have to support the Republican candidate. You're not allowed to support anyone else. And they argue that there's some ambiguity. I I don't see the ambiguity. I think the bylaw is very clear. It says the Republican Party candidate is who you support. No one else. (laughs) Uh, they, They call a meeting together. Actually, I was I was part of the group who called the meeting. And then once the meeting was called, the agenda was hijacked. They're going to they're going to call for a vote of no confidence in our candidate before he can ever even get on the ballot. (laughs) (laughs) And the meeting comes and we get up, you know, some of us, you know, we're emailing people. We're all emailing each other. Email threads are flying all around the county, fast and furious. One of the email threads that gets sent to me, I look at, you know, I look at, I'm like, wow, this guy hit reply to all. And it's talking about how he has formed a political action committee specifically to take down this one candidate. Oh, that's phenomenal. And he didn't just email me. He actually included all the leadership in the county. And he's on he's on what we call the executive committee. And just hit reply to all in the wrong part of the thread. Mm. He emailed all of us his plan. Yep. So we're like, oh, well, now, now we know exactly what he's planning on doing. <laughs> and then he sends it out and follows later with an email. Please re- disregard my previous email. It was sent to you by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. Well, now that you've said that, I'll forget everything I read in your first email. Uh, anyway, the, the night of the meeting comes. It becomes one of our best attended meetings ever, which is amazing because there's only about two to three weeks of notice. Usually we have three months of notice and we can barely get 50%. We had almost 80% attendance at this meeting on a Thursday night at 7 p.m. The chair gets up and he says, Folks, we all know why we're here. There's a lot of temper, a lot of people upset. You have one of two options. So I know some of you here are into parliamentary procedure. We can stay here until one o'clock in the morning and have an agenda fight about whether we even talk about the issue that we're here to talk about. Or we can just get into the issue, have the meeting, do what we're here to do and go home. First person comes to the microphone. Mr. Chair, I move to amend the agenda to remove the item, discuss Greg, discuss a vote of no confidence in Greg Graves. <laughs> okay, people, settle in. We're in here for it. We were out of that meeting in 30 minutes and never talked about Greg Graves. 
the procedure was used. It was used correctly. Some people are very angry still about the fact that, well, we, 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 we can't put this guy forward. And now I don't have any way as a leader to not support the nominee. Right. You don't. <laughs> and in fact, we have one person on our committee who's complaining. Well, I think that this is unconstitutional. The Utah Constitution says you can't coerce me to vote in any particular way. I said, no, we're not asking you to vote. You're just not allowed to support anyone else while being a member of the committee. You want to step off the committee and support someone else? More power to you. That's, that's coercion right there. You just coerced me. I think maybe you need to go look up the word coerce. It's a voluntary position that you chose to run for, knowing the requirements. In fact, it's the, 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 the funniest part about this, the woman who is kind of leading the charge and the one who's claiming coercion, chair of the Constitution and Bylaws Committee. Oh, geez. <laughs> but uh, so Greg Graves will be our candidate. There will be no write-in that's uh, officially sponsored by the party. There's no vote of no confidence. The voice of the delegates was heard. They feel like this is the right guy. We're going to move forward. It's just hilarious that the the party of fiscal responsibility has a guy like this who is going to run and be in charge of... If, if you were to go ask him about that, uh, so he has two bankruptcies that have actually been granted. There were like six bankruptcies that were filed. I, I'm not going to pretend to know anything about bankruptcy law. I'm just telling you the story that he tells. He's not even in my... Like, he's not my county commissioner. I didn't vote for this guy. It's another part of the county that even was related in this. Anyway, so he says that there were actually only two attempts to file bankruptcy, but he kept misfiling it. He filed it incorrectly, and so he had to get rejected. He had to refile in order to get the paperwork correct. The, the first incident, when he was 18 years old, he was he was driving down the street, and he was struck in the rear end by another vehicle, he wasn't wearing his seatbelt, was ejected out the windshield, and had a lot of medical bills. Yeah, I, I'm. I, everybody goes through this. Yes. Everybody has to deal with this at some point yep. or another. It's just the way it looks from the it, outside. Absolutely. Which maybe that's why the Democrats really didn't run somebody because they're like, oh, let's just sit back and enjoy this show. Well, here's the thing. The Democrats didn't run anybody for any office in the entire county this year. <laughs> the only thing that they, they said, we are solely focused on taking the... Fourth congressional district. Jim Matheson, currently the only Democrat on the Utah federal delegation, has is retiring after this term, and the Republicans are obviously making a hard run for that. We would like to send a full Republican slate back to D.C. And the Democrats said, "You know what? We're just going to completely forget about countywide races. We are one hundred percent focused on this Democratic getting a Democrat on the slate going back to D.C." Anyway, um, that is a is funny, a funny, uh, funny story. And uh, wow, I'm sure yeah, it, it, there won't be an end to this uh, anytime <laughs> soon. Um, okay, let's see here. We should do a top five. Okay. And we do have several people who have sent in things. Um, so let's just go ahead and pull those up. And we'll start with... JD. Joey's right. Trek West 5 needs to record again. Pete, you're one of the elite few Americans who care about soccer, I think. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay, I, I, I appreciate that. It's nice to be known as an elite. I'll take that. His number, his uh, top five. Number five. Lethal Weapon, one through four. Can't pick a favorite. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Okay. The, the, last, the last two. Uh, I like number three. I can see I can see where you're going coming from with number four. Rene Russo is I just don't care that much okay. for her. I don't hate her, I just don't care that much for her. Number four, the Mexican. I don't really know that one. Yeah, it's a Brad Pitt movie, I believe. Is it? I think so. I thought it was Antonio Banderos. I don't know. We're <sighs> terrible. We're <laughs> we're both racists here. Number three. Independence Day. Wait, racist? I said Brad Pitt. <laughs> so, but you you weren't uh, that familiar with the Mexican. <laughs> Typical white man. Uh, just, yeah, number three, Independence Day. A good movie. That Enjoy was a good it. one. Yeah. I went and saw it in the theater. I paid my own way into the theater like twice to see that thing. It was unheard of back then. Didn't your neighbor take you? No. Oh, okay. My neighbor... I don't know. I thought I remembered you telling me a story once about your your neighbor taking you to see that movie. No. Okay. Mm-hmm. Nope. Number two, Rush Hour. Only the really? first one. <laughs> I thought it was an enjoyable one. Okay. Number one, Avengers. Hmm. Which t- totally is a great movie. I would I would have classified it more as science fiction than action myself. Uh, let's see here. Got to skip to Bob. Hi, fellas. I do not begrudge you missing a few weeks due to the World Cup. You are forgiven. What has been your favorite game so far? Favorite goal? How about the Suarez bite? I've really enjoyed the tournament so far. What, have you seen it? Do you know what it is? I, I, I heard about it. Just that apparently this guy likes to bite people on the soccer field. It, not like. That's his form of um, emotional release for some reason. <laughs> it's the third time that he's been seen doing this. Um, it's just so bizarre. And, and it, it comes in situations where he's frustrated. Uh, they, they've shown the, the previous um, times... And it's just so bizarre that someone at that level, uh, granted, you know, he's still a kid. I think he's like 27 or so. But someone at at that level can't manage to control <laughs> themselves yeah. enough. And he's he screwed his team over because he was then, you know, he was banned from the rest of the World Cup, which meant his team lost in the next uh, the next game. They were out, which no big surprise there. Um, and he's, I think there was a four month ban, $120,000, somewhere around that mark that as a fine, he has to pay. It's just, uh, it's bizarre. And, and one of the analysts that I was listening to was like, how, how do you suppose his kids are going to have to deal with this? Because he's a laughing stock because of of this particular thing. Those kids are going to hear it. (laughs) Does he have children already or? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm sure they're young, but still, like they're they're gonna hear it. It's there's no way that they cannot end up. I just think it's weird. Like I, I'm not it. saying I wouldn't bite to win an actual fight. You okay. know, when you're in a fight, I don't care. Anything goes. You do whatever it takes to win. Totally on board with that. But biting is a thing. I think I grew out of it about five years old. Not not Louie. 
And it had nothing to do with the play. Like, the play was completely away from him. And all of a sudden, he, he bites uh, Chiellini. Um, and, yeah, bizarre. Really, really just bizarre. Uh, okay, so let me answer a couple of these goals. Favorite game so far um, has got to be... The, it was tough watching the, the latest U.S. game. Um, one of the favorites to, to watch for me was the... Uh, the the Germany game um, where they took on Algeria, uh, their their keeper uh, Neuer played phenomenally well. Like he was outside of his goal box so many times, uh, protecting his defenders and and whatnot. It was an, it was an amazing that's game a good thing? to watch. No, that's <laughs> definitely not what he should be doing. But he had to, and had he not. The other team would have had these uh, these chances, these advances okay. on him that would have put him in a tougher spot. So what he did defensively it was the right was decision. Brilliant, okay. and he hit it every single time. Now I I don't want to say you know Tim Howard's not my favorite keeper because he really kind of is his his he was spectacular to watch in in that game against um, uh, uh, Belgium Belgium. The but the what that keeper did in that game was just spectacular to watch, just or just a real treat. Uh, favorite goal, I it has to be the Flying Dutchman. That was just so amazing to watch uh, Van Persie do that. It, it was amazing. Um, okay, he continues on. Since England got their backsides handed to them, I have joined SpongeBob in supporting Team USA. Anyone seen the ESPN I believe that we can win commercial? However, my children are supporting Germany <laughs> and started crying when SpongeBob wouldn't let them. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, USA are uh, through and will play Belgium in what will be a very tough game against a young emerging side who have yet to find their stride in this tournament. I look forward to Tuesday. Um, yeah, I would have said before this um, that we would have beat Belgium. I really thought we, we had a better chance. Um, uh, I'm curious what your thoughts are, Bob, on this. I think the lineup we used was completely wrong. I think we should have stuck with the same lineup that we had been using uh, and used a, a, a more defensive player um, to shore up our defense. And unfortunately... Didn't work out for us. We lost. You know, I, I'm, when I'm when sad, I asked you but, at, uh, at dinner for your analysis of that game, you should have just told me, we'll discuss it on the podcast. <laughs> no, that's all right. That's okay. We can talk about soccer as much as, as we need to. Um, okay. Top five action movies. This is a great one, but there are so many to choose from. This list is in, uh, I, this list is in this particular order. <laughs> Number five, The Matrix. A groundbreaking film which had several outstanding action set pieces along with a thought-provoking plot. The Wachowskis should have left it there. Mm. Number four, Casino Royale 2006. Bringing Bond back with a physical edge not seen since Dalton and a fantastic opening set piece in Madagascar, which blows your mind away as it escalates. 
throw in arguably the best Bond girl since Diana Rigg, and you have an emotionally charged story you are invested in from start to finish. Yeah, she is just fantastic. Very, very beautiful woman. Number three, The Mask of Zorro, 1998. This movie is a guilty pleasure of mine. It hits all the right beats. A solid story, great cast, a wonderful romp that oozes sexiness and passion, which really helped the movie at the box office. That was Brad Pitt, right? Uh, Antonio Banderas. (laughs) Number two, Raiders of the Lost Ark. This would have been number one if the number one movie did not exist. Probably my favorite Spielberg film, along with Minority Report and Munich. I mean, not much is wrong with this film, and at under two hours is perfect in length, style, charm, wit, and adventure. Number one, Die Hard. The father of action movies and the one I compare all action movies to. It's no wonder, whenever writers pitch films, they say it's like Die Hard in a... This is how an action film should be. It doesn't hold any punches by ramping up the tension at the appropriate moments and a very satisfying conclusion. The best Christmas movie ever. (laughs) I always forget that that was a Christmas movie. It's true. It is. Uh, Okay, good list. Good list. Go to listener M. Huh, the World Cup? Is that still going on? I pretty much agree with Ann Coulter about soccer. It's not a real sport. Okay, we'll have words with Mark some other time about this. (laughs) Possibly tomorrow. Yes. Uh, His top five in no particular order. Predator. Terminator. Cloverfield. The Incredibles. Notting Hill. You didn't specify what type of action. (laughs) (laughs) Terrible. Oh, not terrible. Fantastic. The thing is, I actually thought about making a similar joke. I thought about listing movies that I've gotten action from. (laughs) Uh, I got a lot of action from that in high school. It's a great action movie. Oh, man. Okay. We're going to go to Dean, um, who is the king of lists. Uh, He sent me four different versions of this email. I'm not kidding. Uh, so he starts off. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure if some of these are action or just adventure. What classifies movie as action and not something else? The level of chases, the body count, the number of fights, quantity or size of explosions. What are your thoughts? Any thoughts? Yeah. I, so I had a hard time narrowing it down because I like a lot of what I think most people would classify as action movies. So I tried to limit my own list down to things that didn't fall easily into some other category. So for example, love the matrix, huge fan of the matrix, but I said, you know what? That clearly it could also be labeled science fiction. Mm. So I tried to, for my own list, just to answer, I feel like it addresses the question. I tried to say, okay, things that really, if you take away the label action movie, you're left wondering, okay, what do we call this? Okay. My top five would definitely change from day to day, depending on my mood and how much I weigh the factors typically included in action movies. A couple of notes. I decided not to include 
any superhero movies to make it somewhat easier for me to narrow down. And at some point in my life, I should see Die Hard. <laughs> I am stunned by this. Uh, you know, Dean, I actually have a PG-rated version of Die Hard. <laughs> no, 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 no. If you were going to watch Die Hard, you were going to watch it the way it was intended to be seen. <laughs> okay. Uh, honorable mentions. The Adventures of Robin Hood, 1938. Big Trouble in Little China. Independence Day. Jurassic Park. A Knight's Tale. The Lord of the Rings. The Matrix. Men in Black. The Mummy. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. (laughs) National Treasure. Pirates of the Caribbean. Curse of the Black Pearl. The Planet of the Apes, 1968. The Road Warrior. uh, Seven Samurai. Shanghai Knights. Sherlock Holmes, 2009. Star Trek II and Star Trek VI. Today's top five action-ish movies. Number five, Aliens. Number four, Back to the Future 1 and 3. Number three, Inception. Which I, it, there, there is actually a lot of action that happens in that movie. It's so, it's not what I, I, thinking movie though. Yeah, I would not have first classified it as that, but he's added to the list. It made me think I can kind of see where he's getting action. Number two, Star Wars. Uh, the M- uh, Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back. I'm assuming he means Star Wars uh, A, New A New Hope. And number one, Raiders of the Lost Ark and Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade. Solid, solid list here. Um, okay, that's everybody who sent in something. Joey, why don't you give us yours? Okay. My number five is... Oh, Red. wait. Oh, wait. I forgot Brainy. Oh, totally forgot Brainy here. Uh, he says, what's up, dudes? It feels weird to be on time tonight. Not many podcast overlords would check their email mid-recording to include temporarily challenged contributors and or ambassadors. <laughs> so thanks, dudes. I actually found it challenging to isolate five action movies that were not kung fu. Too difficult. So I give honorable mention to Die Hard. Classic. Also, to Bruce Lee's second big film, Fists of Fury. On to the list. Number five, Kill Bill 1, 2003. It's iconic, exaggerated, partially animated, creative, and full of fight. Uma as Vivica... uh, Uma versus Vivica A. Fox is great, but not as great as the fight at the end with Lucy Liu. It's a great way to view over 100 bad guys get slain by a chick with a Hattori Hanzo samurai sword to an amazing soundtrack produced by the RZA. Number four, the 36th Chamber of Shaolin, 1978. Tarantino pays homage to this film through the Kill Bills 
as it was produced by the Shaw brothers, starring a uh, young and soon-to-be legendary Gordon Liu. It got, it's got amazing training scenes that make you say, wow, becoming a Shaolin priest is not easy. And there is, of course, the Wu-Tang connection. Number three, Drunken Master, 1978. Jackie Chan was already kicking serious butt in Snake in Eagle Shadow. But in his second movie, Jackie played Freddie Wong and brought his trademark sense of levity to the forefront of his stardom. The actual fighting style in the movie is Xiu Quan, Drunken Fist. And it's awesome to watch. Again, this film has sweet training scenes. Yeah. Number two, Kill Bill 2, 2004. It's my favorite movie. Only a few deaths in this one, and it's mostly a western. So every death is superb meaningful, with even cooler music the, uh, than its predecessor. Digging into some spaghetti western composers that I really love. Where's the action? A, an incredibly long and brutal fight scene with Uma mm-hmm. and an eye-patched Daryl Hannah. <laughs> B, digging oneself out of the grave. Out of one's grave. And C, wait for it, super awesome training scenes with our heroine flashes back to her time learning the mis- uh, mythical master from 100s of kung fu flicks, Pai Mei, played by a now legendary Gordon Liu. Also, a great and surprising final showdown with Bill. Number one, Enter the Dragon, 1973. It's so famous because it's so awesome. Bruce Lee is so cool. Every scene is great. The Midnight Ninja infiltration, the greatest nunchuck demonstration of all time, and an absolutely incredible final battle in a maze of mirrors which is literally a great illustration of some of Bruce Lee's philosophies. He, after all, did co-write the the screenplay. Awesome. Okay, Joey, now yours. By the way, uh, The Jackal, if you haven't seen it, I think is better than Drunken Master. It's got even better training scenes in it. (laughs) Okay, so my number five is Red. This is retired, extremely dangerous, recent Bruce... Oh, yeah. Okay, sure. Uh, I think it has probably one of the coolest action scenes ever in a movie where his vehicle gets hit. And as it's spinning out of control, he calmly steps out of the vehicle, removes his pistol from its holster and starts to shoot the car that hit him. (laughs) And and it's completely seamless. It's just one of the coolest action shots I've ever seen. Yeah. Uh, Number four is Rocky three. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought about... I, I don't have any Stallones in okay. my list. And I really should. The guy has done nothing Come else on. in his career but action. Rambo? Movies. Yeah. I, those are just... Yeah, okay. Uh, number three is The Professional. I don't know if you've ever seen this. This is uh, oh, oh, oh. Natalie Portman and yes. Jean Reno. That is a fantastic... I love that movie. It's a great, great movie. Yeah, that really is. I didn't realize that was that actiony. I know he's a he's a, a sniper. You know, he's a a hitman, and he's teaching her how to become a hitman. Yeah, and okay. so there there is some 
there are quite a few scenes where he's teaching her the trade and, and they actually are shooting at people and things. Uh, my number two, I cheated and slipped a Kung Fu movie in here, but Kill Bill Volume 1. It's just, look, move your big toe is something that I tell myself in the morning to get myself out of bed. I don't know if you've ever seen Kill Bill. I know the story. I okay. know the story. Uh, it, it's just th- this this idea that she's just able to will herself well. Compelling stuff. And number one is Die Hard. For me, this is the first movie that I can remember consciously watching and going, okay, I know mom and dad would be so mad yeah. if I was watching, if they knew I was watching this movie, but it was so awesome. And in fact... After watching that movie, so I, I was the first one of my friends to go see it. And at the time, I was actively playing Dungeons and Dragons. In fact, I was the dungeon master for our group. And I loved that movie so much that I took their characters into modern day times <laughs> and redid the movie. Like, none of them had any idea what was going on. Sure, yeah. But it was the plot of Die Hard. That was our campaign for That's about cool. the next three months. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Uh, okay, so good list. Um, I also had a, a, a large number um, that uh, I just love. Uh, things that are just... Uh, I based my list off of movies that are very, very action-y, and I could, I could sit down and watch them at any time. Okay. Kind of thing. Um, so... I'll just throw out a few of my uh, uh, honorable mentions. Uh, Predator, The Dirty Dozen, The Three Musketeers, uh, Lethal Mm. Weapon, The Transporter. Any and all of those, I could sit down and watch at any time. My official list, number five, Braveheart. Okay. Just a lot of death in that tons and tons and tons of action <laughs> great story there's a scene in that where he chops a guy's leg off and they show the end of the leg you can see the bone and the muscle and everything that was that was awesome uh yeah i know they did it with a hand i can remember the this a scene with the oh maybe it was few hands hand. getting chopped I, just, off. I remember just seeing the the stub and the blood hadn't come out yet hey so it was just listen there was so much getting cut off <laughs> that it's very easily in there that a leg got chopped off okay Number four is Die Hard because it's so iconic. Uh, so the Nakatomi Towers, brilliant. Number three, John's going to hate me for this, Terminator 2. Hmm. Terminator like 1 is great. Um, I just love Terminator 2 so much. I think it's a better movie than Terminator 1. John thinks Terminator 1 is so much better. Yeah, than I ended two. up filtering all the Terminators because sci-fi. Um, let's see here. Number two, Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, because it is uh, from childhood. I remember watching this and it is, is good every single time I've watched it. Number one, Conan the Barbarian. Oh man, that is a good one. I cannot think of a better action movie than that. That is a good one. I mean, for me, Schwarzenegger is the king of action movies. It, it's he's, he's literally the last action hero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, I mean, he really only did a couple of movies that weren't action. Uh, Twins and the the one where he gets pregnant. Um, Isn't that Twins 2? No, it was oh. not Twins 2. <laughs> Good grief. I, I can't remember what, what that was. All he does is action movies. Um, and that was... It is... 
they're it's referred to as the sword and sorcery uh type of Mm -hmm. of storytelling uh but it is the best and i the the cheap imitation that they tried to do recently of of redoing conan i never did no i didn't bother to do it because i don't think they need to redo it Go redo Remo Williams or something. You know, something Remo so Williams is a terrible. fantastic movie. Yeah, but it's cheesy and terrible. It is cheesy, but it's also hilarious. Go redo it and make it a really awesome action movie. They were good books. I don't know if you ever read you know, the story. I'll, I'll tell you this. I think they wuss out sometimes, Hollywood, because they're like, oh, I want to make something a little more mainstream so that I can get more people into the theater. Things like... Um, uh, uh, there's been a couple of things that The Rock did. Um, the Scorpion King, okay. they totally cheesed out on that, turned it into this goofy, cheesy movie instead of turning it into something really hardcore action that could have been sweet. They're doing the same thing, I'm certain, with um, the Hercules movie that he's going to be in. Mm. Uh, I, I guarantee they're going to turn that into fluff and goofy. They shouldn't. Uh, besides the real Hercules is Kevin Sorbo. <laughs> Man, it's just dreamy. Yeah. So anyway, um, those those are that's my top five. Now I, I I did have two honorable mentions that these are not. No, we got to move on. Can't move. Can't do them anymore. Hold on. No, I want to share this. <laughs> Here's the problem. They're not great movies by any means. But if you wanted a like the most direct translation of the thought action movie to the screen. Uh-huh. Uh, the the Expendables movies. Oh, geez. Well, yeah. The, the, there's, no, there's no plot. It's just somebody thought, okay, we're just going to take the words action movie and put that up on the screen for <laughs> two and a half, three hours. And then uh, The Losers was also kind of the same way. Never saw that. I have no idea what that one is. It's it's a little more lighthearted, a little more a little more comedic, but it's basically the Expendables. Only with instead of being a bunch of old washed up guys, it's a bunch of young guys that they're being funny about it. Huh? I don't even I don't even remember that one. Um. Okay. Brainy's Nook of Darkness. Now for Brainy's Nook of Darkness. This week we offer an irreverent choice in the slew of darkness that has become a popular theme in current sci-fi. We are highlighting the award-winning newest John Scalzi novel, Red Shirts. First of all, it's funny. The first page hurls you into a campy sci-fi universe where the crew of the starship, (laughs) Intrepid, is experiencing enormous away mission fatalities. As our hero, Dahl, the discerning new ensign is quickly discovering... When the Exo gives Dahl an impossible assignment involving curing a plague, <laughs> the overwhelmed Ensign turns to his buddies. Sorry. <laughs> I, just I, finished I this feel book. like you might have read this. I just finished reading it because Brainy had warned me that this was coming out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is hilarious stuff, by the way. <laughs> he turns to his buddies for help. Quote, get the box. One of them says. He then asks Dahl how much time did he have till it was due. Six hours. Okay, tell it to the box. Put the samples inside, and in 5.5 hours, it will ding like a microwave, and the cure will be there in place of the samples. <laughs> Dahl is now starting to think he is on a weird ship, and this is before the Yeti accosts him in the hallway. 
Dahl's journey leads him to a series of metaphysical questions involving subjective shaping of reality. I think most reviews of this novel, in fact, will revolve around the word meta. Scalzi asks some great questions involving perception of reality. I won't say any more, except that anyone who has read Rosencrantz and Gildersern are dead will appreciate Red Shirt's ability to have its characters question their place in the narrative. This book is super fun, with an easy-to-read pace that brings a high level of levity and wit to sci-fi that is not common enough nowadays. Sci-Fi 10. P.S. Joey, have you read any other Scalzi? I heard Old Man's War is a great series and have been meaning to check it out. Yeah, actually, prior to Red Shirts, the Old Man's War storyline, that whole universe, was the only Scalzi I'd read. So this is only the really... I mean, I've read his novels in the Old Man's War. I think there's three or four of them. I read all those. Now I've read Red Shirts. So that's my that's my only Scalzi exposure. That and his blog. Uh, so I, I, re- I read this because Brainy had asked me and recommended it. One of the things that I think is most interesting, everybody focuses on the first half of the book or even... I, I, I mean, it's fair because it's probably the first two-thirds of the book. It's the bulk of the story is telling the story of a guy who realizes that he's a red shirt on Star Trek, more or less. And then subsequently what he begins to do about that. But the the last part of the book, so it's it, it the, there's a subtitle, and I believe it was Red Shirt's A Novel with Three Codas. And so there are three things that happen after the bulk of the story is done. There's a story about some secondary characters. There are three different short stories about secondary characters. The first one is told in the first person. The second one is told in the second person. And the third one is told in the third person. And I actually thought that was as funny as the first part of the book was. I thought the mental exercise that Scalzi went through in the codas was by far the more interesting part of the book. And I think it's interesting to me that almost nobody talks about that. When you read reviews and stuff, nobody talks about the codas because they're all talking about the funny part of the book. But the mental exercises that he go, he takes you through as a reader, as, he, as you go into the one character in first person, okay, now we're going to kind of see the same events or similar time from a, a person only. You're being told the story in the second person. I don't know if you've ever read a book, a story in the second person, Pete. It's a very unusual exercise. It's you. You opened the book. You started to turn the page. Uh, it's very interesting. Uh, really enjoyed it. That's not my culture corner, but I did read it at Brady's <laughs> recommendation. Super good book. Okay. Is it the same story in all three of those circumstances? No. Okay, so it's a different story in each one of the... Yeah. Some some parts of those different codas are running concurrently. Other parts are sequential. Okay. I wasn't sure if it was, I'm telling the same story three times, no. three different ways. No, we get we're, we're, it's different characters. And it's different parts of the overarching story that are being told. So they're jumping in at different points in time. And at some points they meet and at other points they're running completely separately. Okay. So Joey's Culture Corner? Joey's Culture Corner is the first 15 lives of Harry August. This is a time travel book, in a, in a manner of speaking. By... The, uh, you know, I didn't write down the, the author's name, but <laughs> it doesn't matter because it's a pen name anyway. Oh, okay. So uh, the the only thing I know about the actual author that says is like 
This it says in the back of the book. This is a pseudonym. This book is written by a semi-famous British author. That's all I know. Claire North is the is the pseudonym. Now that I think about it, probably Shakespeare. No, I don't think it was Shakespeare. He's I think British. it was Francis Bacon. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, so the the plot of the first fifteen lives of Harry August is the main character. Harry August is a man. He's what they call what they call a Kalchakra or an Aurora Borean. This is a person who, when they reach the end of their life, when they die for whatever reason, all of their memories and consciousness jumps back into the beginning of their life and they live the whole thing again. Oh, nice. So it's kind of Groundhog Day, but your whole life long. Yeah. There are lots of people who are experiencing this. Well, not lots. I think he said it's one in every one million people. So, you know, that's quite a few. Sure. Uh, And they can pass information from the future back to the past by a young child as soon as they wake up from their last death, going and finding the oldest person they know that is one of these people and saying, okay, here's something about the future that needs to be passed back up the chain. And so information can flow backwards in time from these Aurora Boreans. However, they've discovered over the years... This is generally a bad practice. Maybe we should just not do this. Let's kind of. <laughs> uh, in fact, one of the main themes of the book, the main character espouses over and over again, is complexity should be enough reason for you to not do anything. I can't remember the phrase he uses, but he basically is saying, "Look, you you cannot predict the possible outcomes of what you're doing." And the example he gives is, "Well, you know, what if I go shoot Hitler?" Hitler was not the sole driving force behind what happened in World War II. Right. Hitler tapped into a, a zeitgeist that was already there. Yeah. But he becomes the personification of it. Right. But he was not the, the thing. And in a lot of ways, Hitler's insanity probably was a good thing, right? It prevented him from being as, um, an effective leader in some ways. And the concern is if we kill Hitler, what if somebody who actually is sane and able to control that political machine and keep a hold of it steps in and things become much, much worse. Uh, so the, the, the plot is all about how this guy over the years, he, he finds another person like him and they have conflicting philosophies. One of them believes you should alter time. The other one believes you should not. And then how their relationship evolves over hundreds of lifetimes, thousands of years of memories and how they weave in and out of each other's lives. Let's put it that way. Uh, really enjoyed the book. I. It's funny. It's, it, there's not been online, when you go look at the reviews of it, it doesn't seem to get any mediocre reviews. Uh, people say, oh, this is the most original time travel idea ever. I, I can't believe somebody wrote this. It's such a great book. And then there's the other people who say, this book put me to sleep. It was so boring. A lot of the book, it does talk about the time period that he's living in. So he, he is, his, his, the bulk of his life is lived right, you know, he, he comes of age at the start of the first, or second world war, and then dies sometime in the late 70s, early 80s, I think, if I remember right. Maybe even a little further on than that. Wow, that's a short lifespan. Yeah, the, the first time he died, I think he was like 50 years old. And then there, there are, he doesn't live the same life over and over. Right? He, he, he changes. He jumps to a different body? No, no, no. He, like the next time around. So on his second time around, as soon as he, it's, I think he says it's about three years old where he starts to be able to reintegrate the memories of being an old man. 
And so he goes to his mom and he tells her, hey, mom, I've lived before. This is my second time around. I can remember all these things. And he starts telling people things. And so they, of course, they check him into an insane asylum and he kills himself at the age seven <laughs> because he is so terrible being in this insane <laughs> asylum and when he can just reset. Yeah. <laughs> and then on the fourth time around, he also commits suicide because he gets caught by a government agency who's torturing him to make him tell them about the future. Kills himself to reset. And so, so different, like he tries different paths through life. Uh, one of the most interesting things about the book I felt was as he goes through his various lives over and over again, like he, he starts to understand better his own childhood and he gets to the point where he can really appreciate and understand everything that happened to him as a child and how it shaped who he eventually became. And I thought, you know, that's that's something I think maybe all of us could use is a little bit of ability to objectively examine our own childhoods and look at what actually happened with some emotional distance and things like that. Hmm. I, I'm going to say it's I, the reason I focused on nobody's giving a mediocre reviews because I'm going to say it is a mediocre book. I enjoyed it. It was a good read. I'm not going to say it was fantastic. Uh, if you don't have anything better to do and you're just looking for a good book to listen to and you like time travel stories, I think you'll enjoy it. But it's not great literature. Okay. So Joey gives it a thumbs up and uh, don't expect much. Right? Yeah. That's a good encapsulation. All right. Moving on to episodes. We are going to cover episode three of Sherlock BBC. Uh, His last vow. Wow, man. I'm supposed to write summaries for these stupid things. Yes. Summaries. Sherlock... Finds out that Mary was a spy. <laughs> spy? Assassin. Assassin. I, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the label CIA is thrown out at one point. So I think spy is fair. Nah, I'd, I'd go with assassin. I'd go right. assassin. Yeah. Um, all right. We meet Mr. Magnuson. Yeah, who's the guy who tried to burn John. Yes. Turns out. Yep. And uh, he is clearly very influential. He's got his hands in all sorts of little pies. He's being his moist, moist hands. <laughs> he's being interviewed uh, by this committee um, who are saying, you know, hey, how do you know all of these different people? Uh, there's uh, a question gets asked of him. Should someone have so much access to a prime minister? Uh, because he's apparently... He goes and spends time with the prime minister occasionally. And they think that, uh, you know, he's he's seen as someone who is pulling the strings and he's yep. just got his hand everywhere. Um, and uh, I mean, it made me think of Rupert Murdoch. I don't know yeah, if that's okay. what you thought. I mean, because he's he's supposedly a media baron as well. Um Except for I, this guy strikes me as smarter than Rupert Murdoch. Okay. All right. Sure. <laughs> um, but the, the question I think is, is interesting here, which is, should someone have so much access to a prime minister? I don't see why not. Well, I don't know anything about the prime minister system, but here in America, it's a fundamental part of our, of our legal and, and, and political system is that I can have that kind of interaction with my representatives so that they do represent me. Sure. Yeah. And it might be different if, you know, who is some rich American who's constantly going to see, you know, President Obama. Oh. You know, <laughs> if that person Sorry, is, is constantly that. getting some sort of audience with the President of the United States, we might start to say, 
Wow, it seems like this guy is just in charge Maybe all Bill the Gates? time. Yeah, yeah, someone, someone of that uh, that stature. Um, I, I don't, I don't think that's that terrible. Yeah, it's kind of the way the world works, right? Powerful people run together. Um, he is interested in getting dirt on other people as he's. Uh, sitting there listening to these questions, we see on the screen it scrolls through. You know what people's pain points, points are. Uh, how can he use that? How can he manipulate them? Eventually, is what that's going to come down to. Um, and really, blackmail. Uh, he wants to to get control of various things for various reasons. Um, and. Uh, he has this conversation with this lady. I can't remember who she is. Um, but she's talking about, oh, you know, this is blackmail. And he's like, no, this is ownership. <laughs> and you're you're not going to have a problem with this because of this dirt that I have on you. And he comes up to her and he licks her face. <laughs> now, I, I am certainly not, I, I don't want to, I don't think prude is the right word here, but I'm not squeamish about things like this. Of that creeped me out. I may Big have possibly time. vomited in my mouth the first time I saw <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, it's just so, so disturbing. And you have to give it to that actress. Yeah. She sold it. Yeah. didn't squeal and scream <laughs> running out of the room when that was asked of her. And I suppose to... He couldn't have probably enjoyed it that much either. <laughs> like, as an actor, he's got to sit there and... Oh... Oh, come on. Seriously? I'm going to lick her? <laughs> I've got to lick this lady? Um, I, I, I do like the uh, the comment that he makes about, you know, he smells her Claire de la Lune perfume. And after he licks her, he says, ah, why does it never taste the way it smells? And I think that's a fair question. Why isn't anyone making perfume that tastes the way it smells? <laughs> I don't think it works that way. There's no reason it can't. Food tastes the way it smells. Um, but you're simulating this thing. But you could simulate flavors in there too. And you're simulating it. Let's be honest with basically alcohol. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> there there is some essence of whatever this uh, um, um, uh, scent is, and in order to have that last a long amount of time, it's bonded with alcohol. Yeah, and I suppose people probably wouldn't want to spray like a. High fructose corn syrup based <laughs> perfume on themselves. <laughs> well, the flies might appreciate it. <laughs> okay, so uh, Watson uh, gets woken up early uh, by a neighbor um, who's crying because she, she her son is missing, and so he decides I'm going to go off and do this. I'm going to go find him. He's at this this drug den. Mary comes along with him. Yeah. Um, and I like uh, that he does his best Sherlock Holmes impression as he goes into the drug den. Like he, he is, he has put on the mantle of the way Sherlock behaves when Sherlock is, you know, I'm no nonsense. I'm, I'm here. I've, I've got a goal. Everything else is kind of second. Like the guy pulls out the knife and Watson says, I'm asking you if you've seen Isaac Whitney and you're showing me a knife. Is it a clue? <laughs> 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 it's very funny uh, when he meets the first junkie, um, who ends up being Bill. Yep, um, Bill Wiggins. He's just so such a funny, funny actor that they get to to play that. Um, he eventually finds Isaac, who is the boy uh, in question, and 
right next, next bet to him over <laughs> is is Sherlock Holmes and um they uh, Watson's very upset with Sherlock again because he's gone dark for you know some period of time a month and uh he's found him in this drug den and he's like nope we're we're going to go and make you pee in a jar yep. we're going to test you for for drugs they go and they see Molly and she slaps him. I like this version of Molly, and I yes. hope we get to see her more. You know, how dare you waste your talent? <laughs> I really liked what they did with the character of Molly. Right there. <laughs> I don't see them doing that much more with yeah, her. I don't either. I enjoyed it. Uh, the observations that Bill then makes about um, Watson are really pretty good it makes you feel stupid don't you doesn't it you're like wait can everyone do this but me how can we, how can we not pick up on this <laughs> to be fair we weren't really in the room so we we don't we couldn't have seen everything um uh they head back to the the flat uh sherlock's flat mycroft yeah. shows up and sherlock on the way back to the flat sherlock's like wait where is everybody else <laughs> and and john's like we talked about this Oh, yeah, you know, I, I, I filter conversations. In fact, I've got Mrs. Hudson on semi-permanent mute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a few people who were there who were searching his apartment to try and find the drugs. They don't. They leave. Mycroft shows up, and it comes out yep. that, uh, that Sherlock um, is, is going after Magnuson. Uh, Magnuson. And he tries to prevent the case. Sherlock doesn't allow him. And kind of goes off on yeah mycroft a little bit here well because he he, he thinks of magnuson as kind of the, kind of a stain on society a problem and sherlock does and and mycroft admits to not only using him but protecting him yes and that that i think kind of sets Sherlock off a little bit. Almost, but, it sees him as a necessary evil for, yeah. for what they can get from him. I, I like uh, Mycroft's reaction when Sherlock says Magnuson and he turns to the other and he's like, that name you think you just heard, you, you're mistaken. Yeah. And I assure you, if you tell anybody you heard it, thing, incriminating evidence will be found. <laughs> Don't say anything, just scuttle away. Or just look scared and scuttle away. <laughs> It's a great, great scene that they give that actor. Um, we, it comes to find out that there is somebody else who is in the apartment. The maid of honor, yeah. Janine, uh, shows back up. And she calls the Holmes boys Mike and Cheryl. <laughs> that's, uh, that's funny. Um, anyway, they all leave. And eventually, Magnuson <laughs> comes to visit. shows up at, uh, at Baker Street. And has a conversation with him and does what I thought the licking of the face was the most disturbing thing. Nope. Nope. Uh, he he decides he needs to use the facilities, but he doesn't feel like actually going to the well, bathroom. It, it's it's a mess. He asks, is it a mess like sure. the rest of the house? And they're like, yeah, it is. Okay. Well, it's I'm just going to use the it's fireplace. Not that bad. <laughs> he walks up and... Continuing to carry on his conversation, unzips and pees in the fireplace. And the 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 wow. most the most disturbing part about it is the commentary that's coming out of his mouth as he's doing it. He's talking about how the British people are so civilized, you can get away with anything there. And the con the line that he used that I 
I, I would like uh, the you know the Bobs and maybe listener Sai if he's still listening or his new wife perhaps mm-hmm. to chime in on. He uses this line. He says, "If it works here, I try it in a real country." <laughs> <laughs> I'm wondering how people feel about that over there. <laughs> Uh, anyway, the, the, he is Sherlock gets some clue out of this somehow. I can't remember which one it is. I don't. It's the think. envelopes. He had the envelopes on him. Right. Okay. So he's apparently ready to deal, et cetera, et cetera. Um, they leave. Not interesting to the plot. Nothing related to the story at all. There's a close up of them standing right out 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 front in uh, of the door. There's a knocker. <laughs> And then it pans back, and you, we see the door, you know, the that side of the street from the other side of the street. There's no knocker on the door. Completely missed that. As I was watching, I thought, shouldn't there be a knocker on the door? They were just talking about the knocker on the door. So Totally left it out. Here's an interesting thing about that knocker. It doesn't actually, it's not actually part of the door that's, the, the, the real door that's there. That where they're filming this thing, they put that knocker on the door artificially as part of the set dressing. After this episode, because of that technical error, they decided they talked to the owners of the place. Now they've left that door knocker on there permanently. Oh, it's geez. now a permanent fixture on the door. <laughs> well, that's great. And uh, I only know that because I wanted. I went looking for information on about on this episode because I wanted to look into the place Apple Door. I wanted to know a little bit about that actual building. And there's a web, so there's a website that talks about all the physical locations of the Sherlock series. And they did talk about the Apple door location, some fascinating information about it. I'm not, I didn't write it all down. I just wanted to know for my own interest. Other people might think it's interesting, but they also talked about the door. Okay. All right. Glad I wasn't the only one that noticed that. So they decide that they're going to break into Magnuson's office. Um, by getting engaged to Janine. So we find out why Sherlock was actually um, hooked up with Janine, although she's certainly very attractive, so I, I, I can't imagine this being a very tough assignment for <laughs> Sherlock. Uh, but he is using her in order to get into that building, up to Magnuson's office specifically, because she is Magnuson's personal assistant, right. or at least probably one of them. A secretary of some sort. He gets up there, and they find out, as soon as they're up there, uh, that some people have been attacked. Uh, matter of fact, Janine's out cold. Some other guy... Security guard. Is, ...is out. And then we find out that it's actually Molly. No. Mary. Mary. <laughs> yep. Mary's what I wrote. <laughs> Uh, Although if it had been Molly, it would be a totally different episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah it, literally, literally different episode. Uh, she's got a gun pulled on Magnuson. He's cowering, whimpering, um, and she eventually turns around, shoots Sherlock. Yep. And I get we get what I think is the highlight of this episode right here: the mind palace, the the things that Sherlock's mind does to try and keep him alive. So the initial thing that that just I love it. His mind is going, okay, do I fall forward or do I fall backward? Yep. I mean, the to to think you've just been shot in the chest. Where at what level does your mind have to be operating that you're able to say, 
Okay, let me stop and do some analysis and control my fall. It's fantastic. I love this whole scene right here. Yeah, it is pretty amazing to get to see inside the psyche of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Uh, Because we see some very personal things happening. You know, Mycroft was an older brother, kind of a jerk to to him. He's got this some emotional connection to this dog. And, of course, Moriarty plays heavily in here um, as uh, as Sherlock is dying. Yep. Um, he he manages to pull through eventually, of course, um, and uh, and he he gets himself out of there. You so, always feel the pain, Sherlock, but you don't have to fear it. Um, Janine comes to see him there in the hospital bed. She's not too broken up about it, but she's using <laughs> it to her gain. Um, and uh, uh, the 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 scene with the two of them kind of bantering back and forth. But I thought it was kind of neat. Yeah, they, they both realize they're adults. They realize, eh, okay, fine. You used me. Now I'm going to use yeah, you. Yeah, she says. All right, whatever. You may want to turn up the morphine. I played with the tabs a little bit. And he's like, <laughs> exactly how much revenge are you, do you think you're going to need? Oh, just a little bit now and again. <laughs> uh, he escapes from the hospital. And uh, he manages to confront Mary. I, I like the scene where they're trying to track him down. You've got uh, Lestrade mm-hmm. and... Watson and Mary all interviewing different groups of people trying to find out where Sherlock would go. There's some, there's some cool stuff in here where you've got Mrs. Hudson truly believes that Sherlock <laughs> has a secret lair behind the face of Big Ben. Uh, Molly, when asked, says, well, just the, just the spare bedroom. Actually, it's my bedroom. We agreed he needs the space. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but it was it was Mary, being who who we'll soon find out she is, that thinks to ask the people that Sherlock was able to successfully predict she would act, and he leads her right to the spot he wants her to be in to confront her. Right, and Bill shows up uh, again. He's like, yeah. uh, his line here is absolutely hilarious. He's like, yeah, I'm working for Sherlock now. Gets me off the streets. She's, no, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> And the look of just like incredulity that she gives him. What? Where is your brain at, man? <laughs> oh, I loved Bill so much. He may be my favorite part about this whole episode. Meanwhile, you've got uh, John back at the uh, at the apartment, two two one B, and he's sitting in his chair. He said, "Oh, wait, what makes Sherlock think I'm going to be moving back in?" And he's sitting in his chair. He turns, and he looks, and he sees the the Claire de la Lune sitting there on the on the counter. And I think he kind of comes to the same conclusion. He he realizes what's going on just as Sherlock calls him to involve him in this kind of uncovering. I feel really bad for Mary in this scene. I can understand how she would want. I've told Aaron before. Uh, you know, I don't think ever on the podcast, but I've told him several times. I said, "Look, man, if I were you." And I didn't have a wife and kids, and I were at the stage of my life that you're at now, I would walk away. I would turn my back on everyone and everything. I would go pick up a new identity, some other town, some other part of the country, and start my life over and become someone completely different. I can totally understand Mary wanting to do that. If I didn't have the emotional ties to my wife and children that I do, I would have done that years ago. So having her have to face now the the consequence of making that decision. I really felt for that character. 
Yeah, it's sad to see the web of lies uh, that you've built up get pulled out in front of you, especially in front of the person that you love. And the reason Apparently, that you're maintaining the lie? <laughs> yeah, the the most uh, the person that you care about. It, it would be very, very awkward and terrible. But let's be honest. She was the one that yep. told the lies here, right. so you, you can't feel too bad for her. So Mary is now a client. Yeah. He pulls out the chair. Sit down. Said, Why? Because that's where they sit. This is where you <laughs> sit and talk, and this is where we sit and listen and decide if we want you or not. <laughs> Loaded line. <laughs> uh, turns out uh, she's some sort of an assassin, we come to find out. Um, the I, question I had, would you read the file about your wife? Absolutely. Which I think it's convenient that she has this file that she keeps around. Um, or she prepared. Okay, fine. Sure. She prepared it. She's got some some information on right. it. I just assumed... There were tons of article clippings about people she's <laughs> killed. Um, anyway, that that probably makes more sense. I, I looked at it as she knew she was going to have to ask Sherlock for help. So while he was laid up in hospital, she was getting this drive ready to help prepare him on how to help her. Uh, she hands it over. And in the end, Watson never does read it. He or destroys so he it. Claims. Um, and it, it's it's a nice gesture, you know. From a husband to a wife. It doesn't matter what you were. It matters who you are. Mrs. Watson. Do you want to be Mrs. Watson? Yada yada. But. I think. I would want to know everything about my wife. And then I got thinking. Do I necessarily want her knowing everything about me? (laughs) And in fairness. There are some some things in my life where I'm not necessarily proud of what I did. I was a dim-witted kid who did dumb things, who said dumb things. Uh, I, I'd like some of those things to just kind of go away and never, ever be brought up and never no one ever know them. And so that means I've got to allow the same thing to happen to the significant other. They they need to be allowed to keep whatever secrets or things that have happened that don't you know cast a positive light on them in their life. Here's here's the difference to me. Here's why I still say I would read the file because I need to know what the danger is. If I'm going to be, <laughs> why am I not surprised by that statement <laughs> from you? <laughs> if, if I'm if I'm going to have to help protect her from this, I need to know what I'm protecting her from. <laughs> Okay, I get that, and I get exactly why you say that. <laughs> I totally do. Um, yeah, well, hopefully it never happens. I don't marry an assassin, and uh, that's, you know, yeah. Okay. Uh, okay, Mary Fisher comes I, I do think uh, this episode gives us the way to the, the test to do on potential future spouses to find out if they're an assassin. You have them shoot one of your friends, and if the friend survives, they must be an assassin because it was such a good shot. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it, it's foolproof, Pete. <laughs> so they're Christmas at the Holmes uh, household. Uh, the uh, uh, mother and father of, of Mycroft <laughs> and Sherlock are there. Um, Watson and Mary are also there. Um, Bill. <laughs> 
is there, <laughs> weirdly. <laughs> Everyone ends up getting drugged. Yep. Um, and I can't remember who makes this comment about how Bill is actually a really a fantastic chemist. <laughs> it was Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> Just... It is so funny. <laughs> I think in that scene, in one of those scenes, uh, uh, Bill's talking about how, yes, uh, I'm going to become Sherlock's yeah, I'm his protege. protege, and I'm going to take over everything. If he dies, I get all of these things. And Sherlock's like, no, you're not. No, you don't. <laughs> Maybe that- stop talking now. <laughs> <laughs> I just love that character of Bill, and I hope we get to see more of him. I loved him. I, I, I really liked uh, the truth of the scene where, look, there's no denying that Mary has done some very hurtful things to John. And when he decides to accept her anyway, he gets nothing out of it. <laughs> he says, you're going you're gonna to mow the lawn from now on. She's like, I already mowed the lawn. Well, yeah, that's because I hate doing it and I do a terrible job. <laughs> but I get to name the child. No, you don't. <laughs> You got nothing out of this, man. <laughs> That's exactly how it works. <laughs> um, yeah, um, that's true. That, that's a good point. That is exactly how that how all of that works. So Sherlock makes a deal, um, and uh, uh, he's he's gonna get everything sorted out with Magnuson. Um, and it's at this point, you know, we're we're going over into Appledaw, and we're seeing. Magnuson's lair, so to speak, that I I thought to myself, he is just way too much like a Bond villain. Mm, okay, yeah, I and like some of the early dumb Bond villains, <laughs> they're just kind of a little over the top and just not really that believable, and that ruined it for me. By the way, you said Apple Da. I I don't know. Okay. I I don't know. It's D O R E Apple Door is how I was saying it because of how it was spelled. That's the way I heard it is Apple Daw. Okay, I don't know. I, didn't, I was wondering if it was one of those British pronounced things different, like you know Gloucester instead of Gloucestershire. <laughs> Wait, how did you get? <laughs> I don't know Gloucester and Gloucestershire. I have no. I, you know, I'm I'm pulling things out at weird random. Bob, that Brain one was for you. Firing. I hope you enjoyed that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, so the whole thing is, um, I am going to. I, I want to find out. I will give you some. Oh, the, the, it was Mycroft's stuff. I will give you the laptop. The the laptop, which can contains all this information. I want to see where you have all of these things filed away at. Um, and he goes in the closet (laughs) and comes to find out he's very similar to Sherlock Sherlock in that he has everything stored away in his head, sort of, except for all of the physical files that he still keeps. I, I don't think that there are any physical files. Really? The letters? He's got the, he says every once in a while, if I actually need a thing, I will buy it. So he doesn't keep them. He's got the, these letters on him, but when he's done manipulating her, he's going to shred them or whatever. I don't know what he's doing with them. He's got to keep them forever. Otherwise, he loses the no, hold over her. That, that's not true. That's, that's, that's Watson's argument. And he, he specifically refutes that argument. He says, 
I'm in the news, you moron. I don't have to prove it. I just have to print it. Sure. But I, I, I don't buy that at all. Okay. The biggest thing that I have against Magnuson is what's his motivation for all of this? To be evil. <laughs> That's not a motivation. To choose, to choose the scenery, Pete. <laughs> it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me, and it's frustrating. Is he doing this for money? Is power. he doing this for power? Is he doing this because he wants the adulation of people? Is he doing this because he's a lecher and he wants women? Wh- what is this motivation that getting that is is that he's doing this for? He he talks about how it is power. It's the ability. It's the the fact that I can stand here and flick you in the face and you have to take it because I can exercise this power I have over you. Yeah, I I just don't buy that. I don't find that believable in the slightest. Power to do what? And there's got to be an answer to that. And if there isn't an answer to that, then I I don't think that... I think that it just falls apart. Because just to say, I want power for the sake of power, flimsy in my opinion. I I don't disagree with you. Um, Okay. Sherlock... Kills Magnuson. Yep. Right in the plain view of everyone. Yes. Uh, another thing I find a little hard to believe. Yeah. Um, and it's decided that uh, they're going to send Sherlock away to Eastern Europe. And apparently, according to calculations, within six months, he'll be dead. Yep. So that's that's a fitting punishment, <laughs> I guess. Another rolls your eyes. He says his goodbyes. He gets on a plane. He's flying away. And all of a sudden, we see, did you miss me? <laughs> all over the place. The The face of Moriarty has returned, and they call Sherlock back. They turn him around, and thus ends uh, the, the episode. Now, you and I previously discussed, I think this would be a fantastic place to end the show forever. Not saying I don't want more episodes. Absolutely want more episodes. I hope they never stop making new episodes. But I think it would be one of the best jokes of all time to never finish that story. Dumb. Hilarious. There's a, there's a scene when Mycroft is only slightly drugged. <laughs> where he says to Sherlock, your loss would break my heart. And Sherlock's response is, what am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> Um, and, and yeah, then, the, their smoking break was really pretty yeah. funny. Is that, their mom comes out and is like, "Are you guys smoking?" And Mycroft says, "No." Sherlock says, "It was Mycroft." It was Mycroft. <laughs> <laughs> Such a little brother thing to do, right? <laughs> uh, and then there's another Mycroft line that I, I I can't figure out what he means by this when he's talking to the people who can potentially takes take Sherlock. On this mission for six months where he'll likely die. Somebody says, oh, is is this sentiment, Mycroft? And his response is, I am not given to outbursts of brotherly compassion. You know what happened to the other one. Hmm. And I want to know what the other, what the, I don't know what he's referring to there. Was there a third Holmes boy? I don't know. I only assumed there was just the two. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. Kind of an interesting little line they threw in the middle of the episode there. 
Yeah, I don't think I even noticed that. Okay, any other comments from you? No. All righty. We will go to Brainy, who says, Finally done with Sherlock. I heard that Moffat and Gaddis have the next two series of Sherlock written, and we are just waiting for the actors to find the time. So maybe this episode is more of a setup. Yep. Which has been announced uh, December of 2015, yep. possibly, was when this is going to come out. Yeah, because I know Freeman is finished up Fargo. Yeah, 2015 is when the the next one's going to come out. So not this year and probably not towards the end of 2015. Um, he continues, I don't remember liking this one very much. This baddie is way too wimpy. I wish he and Sherlock could have dueled Mind Palace style. <laughs> or maybe a staring contest. Or maybe that would have been the same thing. Either way, his mentalist blackmail was less believable than a meat knife. <laughs> <laughs> TV 7, uh, Music 7, Mystery 5. Later dudes and Ambassador Brainy Smurf. PPS, how about next week's top 5? No? Can we do reasons why Joey should watch S.H.I.E.L.D.? We can list the horrible plots that lead to a brilliant series like TNG, Joy and Gratitude. Don't forget the whodunit thriller that kicked off Babby 5 and always iconic Firefly with the train job mix-up. Eh, I don't know. I don't feel like Joey's ever going to go watch S.H.I.E.L.D. Just don't see it happening. Wait, which one's is the shield the one that's the commission, but it's the opposite character? No, the agents. Oh, oh of Sh- shield. agents of shield. Yeah, I don't see that happening either. Look, I tried, guys. I did. I tried to give it a shot. It was too goofy. Okay, uh, let's go to Bob. He says, "I really enjoyed this episode. I still find it amazing how much Gaddis and Moffat cram into a ninety-minute episode. This had so much in it." So much going on across different threads, which all interlock. Such a well-woven story, which maybe doesn't have the impact of the season 2 finale, but is told extremely well nevertheless. So we find out about Mary's past, which is fine and plausible. I really think that Mary, along with John, is becoming the heart of the threesome. I'm worried that she will be killed off in the near future. Yes, there's plenty of silliness and things that are implausible. Mind palace, anyone? But it didn't take me out of the story too much. Loved the ending. Glad to see Moriarty back. I'll give it an 8. A quick question. What's the next show? All the best, Bob. Uh, next show is going to be... I I think it should be uh, Breaking Sports Bad. Night. Sports night. I just had to throw that in there for JD. Right. Um, <laughs> we could do that after Breaking Bad. Yeah, maybe. Breaking Bad is what we agreed would be the next show. Yeah, so jump on board with that. Hopefully everyone will love it as much as I do. Listener M, I really like seeing Moriarty in Sherlock's Mind Palace. That guy is crazy. Also, it's fun to get a glimpse of Sherlock's family. Sometimes quirks in a person's personality make life interesting. I think that today we over-medicate too many people who would contribute to society in unique and important ways. Bill Gates is probably borderline autistic, but a genius with software. He was allowed to be different 
and the world is a better place, despite his crazy personality. The same can be said for Sherlock. He should be allowed to be the way he is, because he contributes much to society. TV 7, Mystery 5, Drama 6, Later M. P.S. I finished watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Would a comedy show work for the podcast? Um, we did Studio 60. <laughs> that's, that's true, although I think there was probably a hint of drama okay. running through that one. Um, I've yeah, never watched Always Sunny. We've considered that, but uh, I'm not sh- really sure a comedy is going to work that great for us. Definitely not It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Weird and bizarre and goofy as that show is, and funny, I that's definitely not going to be that show. Um, my friend John Madsen. Okay, so remember when I said Moriarty was still alive, and remember how Joey was like, "No, he must be dead because he mixed brains into his own special effects." Anyway, he must have had a really incredible surgeon, eh? No, he's dead. Of course, if Sherlock were really to end at this point, it would be fun to witness all the fans arguing about whether this was something Moriarty put into motion before his death, or if he really is still alive, or if it's a twin, or a clone, or time travel. Or this is Sherlock's plan that he put into place to get himself back into the country. (laughs) That's my hypothesis. Anyway... It'll be really annoying when they come back for season four and jokingly reference all of those possibilities, but never present a clear conclusion (laughs) regarding how the guy's still around. TV 7, Mystery 6, Sci-Fi 8, Time Travel 5. I don't think Moriarty is going to be around. I think it's either someone else using him as a straw man or... I really think it would be hilarious if it was Sherlock the whole time. And that he, <laughs> he had put this contingency in place after coming back from the dead. Rather duplicitous. Uh, those are all of the emails that we have. Okay. Pete, rating, TV? This is so tough because I really... it. Bob talked about how he wasn't taken out of the story by some of the weirdness of, of Magnuson. I kind of was. I really kind of was. It's interesting. It's unique. I loved some of the fun banter because of who the the actors are, who the writers are. They've done a fantastic job of of doing that. That's amazing, as always. But Magnuson just doesn't work. It's a dumb character, and I don't think it's put forward very well. Um, I think I'm going to give this a six. Okay. Um, I love the character of Bill. Bill was probably my favorite thing about this. Wow. This episode. I did not like Bill as much as you did. He was okay, but He's just so funny. Uh, the much needed comic relief that clearly I needed. I- I'm going to give this one a seven. One of the things that I really actually liked, and I- you listed it as a a problem for you in the episode. And in fact, I think Bob did as well. But I really liked the idea that they put forward that, you know, this mind palace trick, Sherlock's not the only one that can do that. We They haven't really talked about the mind palace a lot. It was a, it was a thing they talked about a little bit more in season one than they have in more recent episodes. And I like that they said, oh, you know what? There's this idea we kind of presented and 
And yes, we all as fans know it's there, that Sherlock has access to this mind palace, but to see a villain pull the same trick, I liked it for that. Now, I'm not saying I think they executed it superbly, but I, I liked what they were reaching for. I appreciated it for that. And that's, that's why I'm going to end up giving this one a seven. As far as a mystery, I'm going to give it a six. I, I just I think that the mystery is what has to take the ding for the failures of the writers. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening.